Welcome to the So She Is podcast. I am your host, Katie Neary, and this podcast is your one-stop shop for all things manifestation, neuroscience, spiritual evolution, and how to tap into your infinite potential and live a life beyond your wildest dreams. I know that you clicking play today is no accident, and I am so grateful for you being here. With that said, let's get this party started. Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome back to So She Is. I am so happy and so grateful to be here today. And for each and every one of you, click and play. How are we doing, folks? How's it going? It is June, so it is Pride Month. So happy Pride Month. You are more than welcome to send me a gift or a Venmo um, to celebrate me. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Unless you feel like it, then I'm not. But anyways, happy Pride Month to all of the humans that are in the queer community, to all the people who support the queer community, and to all the people who maybe are a part of the queer community in their hearts, but not out loud. Um, For those who are a little bit intimidated to step into this community out of fear of any fear that you may have. I know that. I've been there. I feel you. I see you. Um, I actually just posted the cutest little story and it was like to the gay girl inside me. And oh, so cute. I feel like we all have a little gay human inside of us that gets just like shamed down through conditioning of societal norms and through different programs of just what's right, what's wrong, and where hopefully one day we will get to a place where everything can coexist and we do not have to dim our light down um, in any way, dim down our personality down, dim who we want to be down. Um, And I'm hoping in future generations that that will be the case, that everyone is free to live authentically true to them. And yeah, that's just my Pride Month little spiel. So happy Pride Month. Let's let's celebrate, guys. And speaking of celebrating, there's plenty of opportunities to do that this month with the So We Are Silent Disco. We have one on June 5th, on June 12th, and the June 25th. The June 5th and 25th are going to be Pride Night, so it's just like... Whatever pride means to you, show up with that. Show up with those people. Show up with your tribe and... Tickets for the June 5th one are two for $40 to encourage that. And yeah, I'm going to play some Pride music. We're going to honor the Pride community. It's just going to be really fun, feel really good. I'm really excited about it. I also have such an exciting announcement in regards to Pride, but I it has not been released yet, so I will not be disclosing that until it is publicly released by the people who are partnering with me. So until then, happy pride come to us so we are and dance with us it's been so awesome to meet some of you and to just really have that grow and expand and I just fucking love it and I'm so happy to be doing it and as emotionally and physically training as it can be to run a business and the doubt that comes in I am learning so many valuable lessons I just I just am so grateful and I know that we are going through it but There is so much learning happening right now in so many different levels and so many different dimensions that I just ultimately am just so excited for each day that comes and each day that's a new opportunity to step into who I am becoming. Anyways, today's episode is with Abby Kurtz. She is a dear, dear friend of mine. She is also an intimacy and sexual empowerment coach, which we love And honestly, this podcast episode, we get a little raw, we get a little vulnerable. She just has so many nuggets of pure gold and wisdom that I'm so excited for you guys to experience it. So if it resonates with you, please tag us on Instagram and share your takeaways. Um, Please also send it to a friend who may resonate or may enjoy hearing this. It just really helps us grow and expand, or you could leave a review that helps even bigger on the bigger global scale of things on how podcast charts work on how they show So She Is. It's through like reviews and plays and all sorts of things. I don't really get it, but 
Anything you can do to share helps. And I'm just so grateful for this little community. I'm so excited to be on a regular podcasting schedule. I actually have one tonight after I record this intro. So without further ado, here is the one and only amazing, amazing, amazing Abby Kurtz. Hello, Abby. Welcome. I'm so grateful to have you on the So She Is podcast. I feel like this has been a long time coming. And I know we were just chatting about all the things you're up to. And so I thought that would be a perfect place to just push record because we were getting into it without even having it recorded. So why don't we just start by you telling all of the listeners about your program that you're in and the certification you're getting and just the concepts of sacred sexuality, because that is something I am so, so, so into. And I think that's actually how this relationship started. You posted something about orgasming. And I think I would DM you like, hi, do you want to be friends? Like, I'm really into this too. And I think that was our origin story. And so it just feels so right to start like right into the meat of it, into like what sacred sexuality is, what you're getting certified in and like just your journey here. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Okay, so I decided to become a certified sex, love, and relationship coach, and I'm taking a one-year intensive certification course through the Tantric Institute of Integrated Sexuality, which was founded by Layla Martin, who is my teacher, along with a couple other amazing humans. So it is intense. It's a year broken into three trimesters. So I actually just finished the first trimester and that was all about my own um, sexual journey, my relational journey, really diving deep into myself to transform so that I'm able to truly embody this work and be in integrity when coaching others through this work. So that was a journey, let me tell you, but now we're in trimester two. So I am learning all the core fundamentals of coaching, how to be an amazing coach and like world-class tools to use for my clients so that I can guide them through whatever they're going through. So now I'm starting to take on practice clients, which is really fun. And I'm having a lot of experience coaching and I'm so happy about it. And then third trimester, I'll get to dive into like kind of my major, which I'm thinking I'm going to choose female sexuality but I'm between that and male sexuality because I think I might be open to working with men who knows um so then I'll get a bunch of business training and even more coaching practice so it is an amazing program and if you anyone wants to ask me about it I'm more than welcome but it's been amazing to learn I have so many questions (laughs) I mean I had a list of questions before and now I'm like all right this took a fast right like now I have so many things like I can only imagine what it was that first trimester was like of self-transformation of, um, being an integrity. And I feel that so deeply, like I would never want to do something or tell someone to do something that I haven't done myself. And so what, what is one thing like, let's just like go for it. Like what's like the hardest thing that you had to overcome in that first trimester? Cause I'm sure there was plenty, but what's like the one thing that comes to mind when you're like, fuck, that was hard. So to be honest, because I was already in the realm of sacred sexuality practices and um, learning about all that, I thought I had a lot of it under my belt. Like I knew, you know, the pleasure practices, the jade egg, all that stuff that you see. And I was like, okay, this probably won't be too crazy, but it was. And the hardest thing for me was using self-compassion. I feel like I'm really hard on myself, but I think I have an inclination and maybe a lot of other people too, to have to get it right. So it's interesting because that would come up in the workload. Like when I say this is an intensive program, it's freaking intense. So it's like, I want to be the perfect student, but I really had to let go of that and use compassion with myself. Like I'm juggling so many other things. And then self-compassion actually started to come in because I'm in a relationship. So here I am learning all these relational tools, sacred sexuality, doing all this inner work on myself, neurobiology, and then (laughs) triggers are coming up for me in my relationship. Like I have to do some deep shadow work and I'm like, oh, well, 
I thought like I should know this or I thought I already embody this like why am I getting so worked up or am I still really like that far off from being who I want to be so I really struggled with using self-compassion in those situations so yeah it's almost like not what you would expect it to be like a lot of the practices are so fun they do go so deep so it takes a lot of being able to hold yourself and soften yeah, now, wow. I'm a I lot mean, better at than I was before. <laughs> right. I was not expecting self-compassion to be the answer. I thought I was going to be like, you know, the anal beads were kind of hard, but yeah. no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I haven't tried those. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> okay. So now you're in the second phase. And before we jump into the second phase, I feel like let's go back to the basics and just talk about what sacred sexuality is. And I know on your page, you talk about erotic innocence, and I know there's so much taboo around sex, around being sexual, being sexualized, like there's the patriarchy, like there's so many different concepts that go into what forms someone's understanding of what sex is. And I think there's so little information about what's sake, like how it's sacred, how it's innocent. Mm-hmm. And I love if before we keep just talking about all the things you're learning to just give the foundation of what really is involved in sacred sexuality. Yeah. So my definition of sacred, sal- uh, sacred salad, <laughs> sacred sexuality is Um, holding our sexuality as pure. This is, to me, the most pure thing we can do. It is a pure part of who we are. It is our nature. And I think in society and our programming, a lot of the times, sexuality is made out to be dirty because we all know how amazing and powerful it is. And when things are that powerful and beautiful, um, we tend to take it in the opposite direction and shame it. So then it becomes something that turns into like a shadow aspect. So sacred sexuality is having sex or intimacy with intention of, um, it could be spiritual intention, intention of bettering yourself, any type of intention, maybe like connecting with your partner. But when we really identify with our sexuality, we're able to liberate it instead of just pushing it down so we can actually use it to become like a more whole version of ourselves instead of cutting off parts of who we are. Mm, Thank you. I love that. And what inspired you to get involved in this space, in this work? So I'd say I feel like it was a long time coming, but it also wasn't. It feels like it happened so suddenly. About four years ago, I went to a conference and there was a bunch of amazing women that were speaking there all on spirituality, personal development. And that's kind of how I dove into this world. But then I felt like something was missing. Like I was disconnected from a part of myself. Turns out that was my sexuality because I had been not necessarily repressing, but like overusing because I was disconnected from it if that makes sense so I ended up like going through a course and it was like a breast massage course for heart activation and I was like oh my gosh this stuff is pretty cool but it was bringing up so much that I had in my subconscious so many things that like were deeply impacting me I I figured that like oh okay I can start bringing these things to the surface Um, through like self-pleasure and really being in touch with my body and then over the years I just kept learning and building on that and I was like all right I want to help other people do this and I know now you're in the second phase so Mm -hmm. now that you are stepping into having like clients and working one-on-one with people do you do is it one-on-one or is it couples or is it all of the above Um, right now just one-on-one and then when I graduate I'll decide if I want the relationship major which would allow me to work with couples but for right now I can work with someone that's part of a couple just not the couple as a whole and then I can decide like maybe I want to come back and do that major and get like that part of a certification 
God. Um, so hope I would love to do that one day though. That's definitely on the path. Yeah. It seems like it would be really fun. I mean, it seems like it would be just, I think a lot of couples do look for that deeper level. Like mm-hmm. there's different therapies, of course, like couples therapy. And of also it's so common to say like, you should do your own therapy and then go to couples therapy because like healing your shit, like you can't heal your shit with your partner there mm-hmm. necessarily. So I could see the benefits of both, but I think the bond that could form from working with someone in a sexual setting and that permission slip would be literally so powerful. So since you work one-on-one with people, what would someone expect or like, what is, um, how do you like guide them or hold space or coach them through things? Like we could even do like a practice session if that feels just to give a sample, because I think again, sex is so taboo and all of that is so not talked about that like someone couldn't probably even fathom like what do you mean going to like a sex and love coach Mm -hmm. or like I'm yeah so let's do let's do like a practice if you're comfortable with that okay um you could start I'll be we could pretend I'll just be me I'll be so this will be a hundred percent raw authentic me all right so I would start obviously by saying hi Katie how are you doing today I'm doing good. I'm a little nervous. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. And that's totally okay to be nervous. I know it feels super vulnerable to be here, but thank you for being open to doing this right now. Yeah, no problem. So I would love to start out by figuring out what is it that you desire? Like, what was your call to come here today? And is there anything that you want to work through? So sometimes when I'm having sex, I feel really numb. Like I feel disengaged. I feel like I want it to be over, um, but I'm enjoying it. But I just, it just kind of numb out. Do you know what to do with that? I do know what to do with that. Um, So a lot of the times when we experience numbness, our bodies will use it as a defense mechanism. And so from what it sounds like, you enjoy the sex, but there's that disengagement. You're almost waiting for it to be over. So do you feel like you have trouble being present in sex? Yes. I feel like my brain is very active. um, And it took me a long time to even be comfortable, like receiving, but Mm. still sometimes when I receive, I feel like I numb out um, or you know, you hear a sound and it's instantly gone or things like that happen. And then it's very frustrating because then you can think like, then it can make my partner insecure or that it's her fault. Or, um, it makes me feel like what's going on, what's wrong with me. Like this is, I love orgasms. I love being sexual. I love physical touch. And when the the numbing happens, it's like a whole it's like brain, like like the brain gut connection, but it's like brain vagina connection. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I hear you. That can definitely be such a killer, especially when a partner is involved. It's like, oh, we don't want to throw them off. So it kind of feels like a snowball effect. So I want to ask if you weren't feeling numb during sex, how do you think you would feel during sex? Who would you become during sex? Um, when you said that I pictured like a big smile on my face, like very much enjoying it, like, um, like a very happy version of myself, like, like kind of how I feel like, like either when I'm at it, like leading a silent disco or when I'm Mm -hmm. participating in a silent disco or participating in something that brings me joy, it feels that's the first image I get in my head of who I would be during sex. Like this person who trusts the process, trusts and is there. And um, yeah, those are kind of like the initial images that come to my head, like just having fun because I feel like my goal is always to have fun. And sometimes sex because of the numbness or because of like the dissing, like my brain and how my thoughts race um, it feels not fun. (laughs) So 
I love that how you said when you run the silent disco, you feel that joy. And that's the joy you want to feel during sex. Mm -hmm. So what is different about running the silent discos to you? Like how how does it feel different than sex? I mean, the instant thought I had in my head was that I'm in like control Mm. and that I know the outline of it and I prepared it and um, it's like, my baby like coming to life and it's a gift I'm giving to others so there's like multiple things there that are like what bring me joy with the silent disco like facilitating the space seeing like my hard work pay off like seeing someone have that experience and, and experience the healing of the journey and knowing what the journey is that's beautiful how would you feel if I said, what if we thought of sex and experienced it like the silent disco? Mm. Does that seem doable? I think so. What, um, could you help me understand what you mean? Like, yes. So as I'm getting clear on like kind of the underlying goals of like what's under the numbness? Like, yes, we're feeling numb, but there's definitely accompanying things, which what I've picked up on so far is the need to be in control. Does that resonate? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So let's take that proponent out for a second. So say there was no need for that. How would it feel if you approached sex like the silent disco? Um what if we could think of sex in that way, having a similar experience and going through those same things, but it's just in a sexual setting. Mm-hmm. Does that feel like a, a doable thing? Yeah, I think so. And so, and on the receiving end, like how could I practice making it like the silent disco? Like which like it could like would you say even like making like a playlist for the time that like we would be having sex like I mean just to make it as real as possible do you think that's something that could help like if I knew what songs were coming or like do you think anything like that would help it could help it doesn't have to be like the silent disco event itself but I I would be curious if we could work together to bring the same emotion Mm. at a silent disco to sex so not necessarily like the same the music act. The okay. same. yeah the act <laughs> I should have been more clear on that sorry about that um but the same you know the same pre-buildup where you're like preparing and you're really excited to put it together maybe that like starting to be intimate with your partner and then having that same flow of emotions where it's something you're really proud of something you're feeling feeling deeply because you created the silent disco, but now you get to co-create intimacy with your partner, Mm. sex with your partner. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Is numbness something that's common? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Numbness is common in a lot of, well, people and mostly women because we want to feel safe. And so when our nervous system isn't trained to feel safe in general, when we go into intimacy we start to get dysregulated right because that's really scary for us on a deeper level if we haven't done the work to feel really resourced and safe so then the numbness comes in just as a protection mechanism Mm. and so besides control now we're kind of snapping out of our I know. Sorry. It kind of. Oh, no, no, no. I think, I think, I think that's complete. I think that's complete. Cause now I want to actually dive into like topics like numbness and, um, and so besides like, I know my, my control is something that, or my head and all my thoughts are something that creates numbness. What are some other reasons? If someone doesn't resonate with control, like, yeah, there's the safety and, um, I know you just talk a lot about numbness in general and things. So I'd love if we just kind of went into it. I know we kind of already have. So if we've already like Mm -hmm. 
done too much with it, we can move on. But anything I'd love to just know more because I know numbness is so common. Yeah. So numbness can happen for a lot of different reasons. And like we said before, it really comes down to feeling safe and feeling what's within us on a daily basis. Um, So physical numbness, yes, it could be you are scared to surrender. Like you want that control factor, like in your experience, or it could be, you don't feel safe with a partner. So like, say you have a new hookup or you you're fighting with your partner. They're not a safe space anymore. You can go numb because your body's like, Oh shit. Like, I don't want to feel all these things, even if they're good things, like your body is always going to try to protect you. So navigating numbness is learning how to feel safe while basically feeling your feelings, um, knowing how to regulate yourself, stay in your window of tolerance and stay resource. Ooh, what is a window of tolerance? Yeah, so a window of tolerance is basically a, I mean, we could call it a container. So say you're doing a meditation practice or it could be like a trauma release practice and your window of tolerance is a container in which you are still able to transform because you're feeling resourced and safe enough to do so. So yes, you can start to feel uncomfortable within your window of tolerance, but then when you step out of it, it's like, bam, chaos, system overload, no transformation or healing can happen outside of that window because you're, you're not present anymore. Like it's just chaos. So you can still feel uncomfortable and nervous, whatever, as long as you're in your window of tolerance in the, in the present in your body. And do you grow your window of tolerance by, by continually doing things within that, like maybe like creeping towards your edge or how does, how do you expand your window of tolerance or is it something you don't expand? You can absolutely expand your window of tolerance. So you used the word edge. It's kind of like how people say needing your edge. So if doing a five minute meditation starts to get me all out of whack. Like if my mind is quiet, then chaos starts to happen. Like I can bring that, reel it back in, make it smaller. And then it's like normal practice that anything you do over time, we can start to expand. So the more you're able to regulate within your window of tolerance, the more you can expand it. Oh, love that. Okay. So what are some of your favorite practices to help you expand and like I know we've been talking a lot about sex but just I know you've been on a beautiful spiritual journey and um I would love to just know what tools you use in your toolbox that help you expand and grow and they could be like certain pleasure practices or they could be breath work meditation but so many people look for the resources of like, well, I want to do that, but maybe my window of tolerance is a five minute meditation. And that's kind of boring now, but anything else feels crazy or, or I don't even know what else to do besides meditate. So what were some things that have helped you grow, expand, become comfortable in your body even? Um, and yeah, I'd love if you elaborate on all of that. Absolutely. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is breath work. Because a lot of breath work, um, and there's, there's different types, but for example, I did one today with the intention of activating my body and waking up because I felt sluggish. So I did almost, or yeah, like almost 25 minutes. I think it ended up being 22 of me breathing, like connected breathing. And that felt scary for some reason today like I felt my mind go oh my gosh this is going to start to bring up like unconscious stuff and I wanted to fight it and fight it and fight it like I felt my system be like I don't know I don't know I'm I'm trying to get worked up so instead of fighting it or stopping which you know the more you're in tune with yourself the more you know when you need to stop I felt like I could 
kind of soften and soften into the resistance a bit more because I'm like, okay, I'm held. I know what I'm doing. I've got myself. So I was able to kind of overcome that, that like slowly that I was creeping out, I put myself back in my window. So breath work is a great one because there's really simple practices you can do, uh, calming practices for your nervous system. And then there's really like energizing ones that you do over like a longer period of time. And it, it really brings out the unconscious and can allow you to have a really primal experience too. Another thing with meditation is that meditation, I feel like it gets a rep for being kind of boring. And I just say that because I used to think that I'm very like, I want to move, like, let's go, let's, let's do it. If you're looking for to make your meditation more fun, or you're, you're ready to add things on, you want another resource, you can actually start adding breath, sound and movement to your meditation so that it's not only like a brain to body process, but you can go body to brain. And that's really good to also start meeting your edges because then you're like, oh, well, I'm actually using my body in this and I'm taking up space. I'm making noise. I'm using my body's wisdom, which I feel like for some people is kind of a game within itself. It's like we get scared to do that and it translates into everyday life. Right. Is the breath of fire, I think I did that the first time with you. Would you say that is an example of like moving and? Um, breath of fire, I think when we did it, I think we just did it sitting, right? I don't know if we sat or if we stood and we like we lifted our we hands sat. up. I remember okay, it was kind of crazy that. for me because I hadn't gotten yeah. into breath work yet and doing something like breath of fire. I was like, am I going to faint? Like, is, am I out? Am I dead? Like, I remember feeling so much. I was like, I kind of liked it. And now I'm like, like have like a tattoo that's on my face. that says like do breath work because I love, oh I love God. breath work. But yeah. Um, I'd say breath of fire is a really activating one. Okay. So if you're looking yeah. for an activating breath, Google yeah. breath of fire breath of fire you're not supposed to do it if you're pregnant or on your period I don't know about breath of fire how it would be for a beginner beginner I haven't done enough research on that so my suggestion is maybe go into breath of fire once you already like get a feel for your own breath how deeper breathing feels to you because breath of fire it's like such the rapid movement of breath that it kind of like it does it can make you feel lightheaded Mm -hmm. because you're not like getting all that oxygen and then that is what allows like the unconscious to start coming out like because your brain isn't getting all that so now there's room for more to happen so I'd say if you've never really done breath work before like if you're really like baby beginner then breath of fire could be like the second step yeah what kind of breath work do you do I do the I don't know the name but it's the three-part breath it's the belly chest exhale belly chest exhale do you do that one or do you do I don't know that one I mean it's all through your mouth it's like I don't do that one. I do on like a daily before I go do big things. I do the triangle one. Mm. So it's like you breathe in for four and that's the triangle going down the slope. And then you hold for four and that's the bottom going across and then breathe out for four. And that is going on a diagonal up. So this one I'll just kind of do and repeat like 10 times just whenever that's a really good simple one and this one's really calming to your system and then you can play with it and instead of four counts you can keep on increasing it because I think the visualization with it is really powerful Um, and then lately I've been doing a lot of connected breath and then whatever I feel I need in the moment is kind of 
my focus. So like I said today, I really needed an energy activation. I had so much going on. So I did like more rapid connected, like in through the nose, out through the mouth for a really long period of time. Hmm. And I started visualizing how my breath was like purifying and activating my energy. And I think that's my favorite one right now is the connected, like. And do you like YouTube it or do you like play music or is there a way, you know, when did you, like if someone were like, okay, that sounds very doable. Um, would you say like, just try it with a song or YouTube it? I prefer music because it really helps me get into the zone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. I don't really like following along because I feel like when I hear other people do it, it bothers me. <laughs> like it takes me uh, out yeah. of the moment. Um, so if you wanted to start, you can set a timer, whether it's one minute, five minutes, 10 minutes and put on a playlist you really like and then you can focus on one type of breath work okay that's everybody's homework who listens to this you have to try at least one minute of breath work (laughs) of the ones we discussed (laughs) okay but now I want to talk about something that sounds very fun to me which is pleasure practices and I think there is again as I could say it a million times, like so much taboo around sex, around being connected to your sexual parts, um, around masturbating, around all of it. And I would love to know more about different pleasure practices you have. I remember when you were first starting this school, you're like, oh my gosh, like I have to get a glass dildo, like all these (laughs) things. And I think even when people think of pleasure practices, they think of just a vibrator in their clit or just like, I I don't know if I were going to think that's what I would think or if a guy's listening, it would just literally be whatever, you know, guys do. Like I would just assume their (laughs) hand, but (laughs) I don't know. I don't, I know pleasure is so much more and there's so much sensory involved that there's so much more than just like singular stimulation. So if you could just take us through some of your favorite pleasure practices, I think that would be freaking amazing. Yeah. So pleasure practices are awesome because you're literally pleasuring yourself with intention a healing intention and pleasure is a great place to start for transformation because you and you might hear me talk about this a lot it really rewires the deep imprinting of our body like using pleasure is also a somatic practice which I feel like gets left out a lot of the time and so yeah it's not just like a vibrator whatever like Katie said it is a longer, more explorative practice that can be used in many, many different ways. So I'd say my top one, because this is something that I've been really working, working, really working with myself on is softening and heart opening. So using pleasure for that would look like this. I'll lay down and really set up like a sacred space, cozy vibes, clean, super immaculate. And that's a really important part. So I would lay down and start really feeling into my body. And maybe I might add in some breath work or just start with deep breaths to relax my system. And whatever my intention is, so for this one, heart opening, I'll breathe into the heart space, kind of like you would with a meditation and just really sit there like feeling into my body okay what's blocked here what's already expanding what am I working with and then once I'm comfortable with that and I kind of have an idea of what's going on today rather than just like getting straight into the pleasure I can then start like using sensual touch and it doesn't even have to be sexual but sensual touch as I visualize like heart space opening sensual touch being like how how would I feel if my heart space was super open right now like how would that touch feel on my body what kind of touch do I need right now to feel open and and soft and expansive and then I ask my body for consent I feel like that's not really talked about but before I even like add in the sexual touch I'm like do I even do I want that right now Um, just like how you would want with 
a partner. Like you don't want to do anything sexual that you don't want to do. And there's some days my body's like, yeah, that was enough pleasure for me was just sensual touch without even going into the sexual, but say it today. We're like, all right, let's get into the sexual. You can take it in a really explorative way rather than doing what you would normally do or like what, you know, gets you off. But the point is not to just orgasm and that's a wrap. It's finding new channels of pleasure in your body, new way, new styles of touch, um, adding in movement, and just really being gentle and slow and allowing yourself to feel your intention as you feel your pleasure and allow it to build. So I would feel my pleasure like softening me from the inside out as it travels up my body kind of like a like okay I'm, I'm soft in my body and if it gets to orgasm it gets there and then if it doesn't that's fine <laughs> um I really like not having an end goal and then you I feel like you know when you're complete in that maybe you did finish or maybe it's like okay I feel good and then I always take gratitude for my practice and speak it aloud to actually integrate it for the rest of my day. Wow, that sounds incredible. So it, when you were talking and explaining it, a couple like people came to mind in my head um, just because I had the thought like, wow, like what you're describing is so deep within yourself that I wonder if, you know, I, I don't even like, okay. <laughs> I, I want to speak to heterosexual couples specifically, but mm-hmm. because, like, cause I feel like this is such a common theme is that there's just like that the man wants sex more or, um, a lot, I know a lot of women in my life who feel like sex is laborious and mm. I feel like implementing, uh, implementing these practices, would maybe help make sex more enjoyable which is that is that like true I don't know like I when you were speaking and I was Mm -hmm. listening I could just see like dots connecting in my head it's like wow I wonder if these non-sexual like just pleasure period and where there's no goal of finishing there's just what is um and just like a deeper connection to yourself if that would make sex more enjoyable for so many people absolutely so obviously it takes two to tango or however many you're trying to tango with (laughs) (laughs) um I definitely think my sex life got so much better when I started connecting with myself because so many of us and I'm going to speak to women specifically here We really deeply crave intimacy and I feel a lot of women crave much slower touch. And then when you have a male partner, I think deep down, they crave that too, but that's not something on a surface level for the typical man here that they're going into sex being like, this is what I want. So I know that a lot of women kind of feel like bulldozed over, like, oh, like, okay, my pleasure doesn't even matter in this situation. And then of course, over time, that creates so much resentment within couples or even just with, um, and because we're using like heterosexual terms here, I'm just gonna say like the opposite gender, it creates such a blockage. But when you are doing your own pleasure practices, like the one I just explained, it allows you to know not only what you like, but what your like true felt sense and your sensations feel like in your body on a more energetic and emotional level. So when you can become a really amazing lover to yourself through pleasure practice, you can then embody that, embody that whole self-lovership when you go to your partner. So that's kind of the difference between being able to speak up in the bedroom and just like shutting yourself down. I mean, obviously you're not going to say this sucks, go slow. You know, there's ways to 
properly communicate in a way that is productive, but you can become an invitation for that to happen and invite your partner in and be like, oh, like, I would love if you touched me like this right now, or ooh, that felt good. Can you slow it down? Kind of like a more invitational way because you could be having sex that you don't want to have with your partner or with whoever, but then it's like, do you even know what what kind of sex you want to have? We have to get really clear around that. And that's why self-exploration without an end goal, without like the intention only being to get off is so powerful. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, that's just like so beautiful and so real and true. And I just feel like there is that like, right. Like we, as women do and men, I think we, as humans just crave that intimacy and like being sexual is like a core pillar of life. But so many people feel so closed off sexually, I feel like, Mm -hmm. and either just like, I don't need it or like, just get it over with. What would your piece of advice for the, just let's just do it and get it over with person be? I love the saying, how you show up in the bedroom is how you show up in life. I don't know who originally said that, but that's really powerful to me. My piece of advice to them would be start by looking at how you're showing up in everyday life. Like, what are you looking to just get over with, get it done? And can you take more time with yourself? Because part of in my opinion, like really amazing connected sex, the main thing is present. So if you're trying to get it over with, then that means there's a lack of presence because we're looking to the end, we're looking to the future. And I think like, say a client came to me with that, I would give them a lot of presence practices. And, you know, I think a lot of it too is, our bodies and our nervous systems and our programming, a lot of us don't feel safe to be in the slowness that intimacy really requires. Mm. It's like this big uncomfortable thing that we just want to rush. But when you know you're safe, you're held and you're actually present, that's when like really beautiful experiences come in. So I always like to look to how I'm acting outside of sex, how that shows up in sex and vice versa. Wow. I love that. And I say that too. I I think honestly, like any, any way your body is showing up, like I always say like movements, a metaphor, and it's the same thing. Like how you move is how you move through life. Like if you are doing Mm -hmm. like go to sleep, stand up, sit down, stand up, go to sleep, sit down, like, and you're just repeating the pattern. It's just or even, and then if you dance, you dance side to side, side mm-hmm. to side. And like, it often shows up, like you are just repeating the pattern. And that makes so much sense of how you show up in life is how you show up in the bedroom or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just so incredible. and going to hit so many people like in their, in that spot, like, oof me, like, you know, yeah. if someone was like, what's a, what's a presence practice I could do to become more present. So then I can enjoy sex and not want to rush it. Um, or just in life, like what, what, what can I do to be present in my day to day to enjoy life a little bit more? Do you have anything that comes to mind to, for them? to? Take oh home? yeah. Yeah. So I'll give you like the most basic, simple tools that although they are very basic and simple, they're really profound. Um, and these aren't necessarily, it's, not a sexual thing so for in the bedroom with a partner if you find that you're not present I would say slow it down for a second and start connecting with breath breath is one of our most powerful healing tools and it comes from ourselves so you can ask your partner to breathe with you, but start seeing how much deeper you can breathe because it starts to like rewire you in the moment. So breath is huge. Same for daily life. Like I think our breathing gets so cut off 
throughout our day, but how much deeper can you breathe when you start to notice you're not present? You can literally go, okay, 10 deep breaths. Here we go. Another thing for daily life is writing down gratitude. Hmm. I think that one seems so overused, but that's such a powerful one for me. And then even in partnership with my partner sharing gratitudes and there, you know, there's even a sexy way to do that. <laughs> in, <laughs> in, um, and then wait, I had a third, I have to, I gotta think about it really quick. So breath, gratitude. Oh, and then release, like sounding, sounding with movement, like, like uh, <laughs> yeah, literally like, like letting out a big sigh because that allows you to just soften like you're not going to be in the present if you're crazy you know rigid and tense worrying so like the the sighing out using your voice because your voice also sends signals down your body Mm. okay let's do one together and if you're listening do one with us okay ready big sigh Um, ready one, two, three. Ah. Ah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that felt good. <laughs> I needed that. I Me too. Feel like sometimes like when I'm listening intently or when I'm doing anything that requires like focus, my jaw literally like gets so tight and rigid. And when you said like, you know, we're so rigid, I was like, oh my God, my jaw, I need to <laughs> release this right oh, now. Same. I have such a tight jaw. So constantly throughout the day, I'm like, all right, soften it up, soften it up. <laughs> I know. I got a face Theragun, not an ad, but Theragun came out with a face thing for jaw release. And I would absolutely recommend it. But Abby, I had so much fun talking to you. I am so grateful that you came on the So She Is podcast. Can you let people know how they can get in touch with you, how they can work with you, all the fun things? I could not recommend Abby enough. I know like in the intro, I hyped her up like crazy. And I just, oh, I hope everybody has a friend like Abby in their life. If not, they work with Abby because her she is pure magic and what she's bringing to this world is pure magic. And I'm so, so, so grateful to have you in my life. So plug yourself and tell everybody where they can connect with you. Thank you, Katie. You are the best. I'm so grateful for you. And I'm so appreciative of everything that you are. So you can find me on Instagram at Abby underscore Kurt, which is spelled K-U-R-T-Z. So you can find me on there. And then if you want to work with me, I have a wait list up right now. And then you can sign up there and you will be getting a notification towards the end of summer about being able to enroll. Yay. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I will see you all in the next episode. If you enjoyed today's episode, please send it to a friend. Tag us on Instagram at, at so she is underscore podcast and leave a five-star review so we can build, grow, and expand this podcast to anyone who needs it. Thanks so much, and we'll see you in the next episode.